Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. I am your host, Rudo, joined as always by AJ Hafley and special guest today, Joel Henderson, a scout for Future Considerations Hockey, Calgary Flames coverage as well, Dauber Prospects, he works over there too. Be sure to check him out. Your Twitter handle was amusing both AJ and I with Dat Hockey Doe. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of people that, that. Thank you. Yeah, there was a lot of people that uh, were like, "What's your favorite sport?" It was like, "Oh, NBA," and I was like, "Yeah, but that hockey dough." And they're like, "Okay, <laughs> yeah." Very nice. You love to see it. On today's show, we're going to be talking WHL hockey for the most part, abs related, of course. But whether it be abs prospects or the upcoming NHL draft. Anything and everything Western Coast, Canada. Joel, right off the bat, who's the best player in the WHL right now? The best player in the WHL right now? See, at Christmas time, uh, especially for defensemen, I would have said Igor Zamula. Uh, there was there was a whole bunch of fantasy leagues kind of things where – People were wondering who the best defenseman was because, as you guys would know, Bowen Byram did not have a great start to the season. Uh, when I had watched him play, it there was a lot of people that were like, it's Byram, right? And I go, I don't know if it is because uh, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what's happening. Um, there's a number of guys that are kind of waiting to break out. Uh, there's some really fun players in there, including my favorites like Adam Beckman, but definitely, definitely Bowen Byram's near the top of the list, if not the top. All right, play to the home crowd. It's a good move. It's a good move. <laughs> Let's start with Bowen Byram then. Uh, you kind of already mentioned his slow start to the season, but after getting drafted fourth overall, obviously expectations extremely high for a guy returning to the WHL this year. It, a tale of two two parts of a season for him, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, I, I talked to some other players throughout the year about Vancouver per se, and one of the things that I kind of sneakily heard was that there's their systems and the way that they do some of their breakouts and the way they do some of that is, is really, really simple. It's basically get the puck to Byram. And, and so as, as far as like playbook and that kind of stuff, they're really just, they're just really relying on the fact that he can take the puck up the ice. He can pass the puck up the ice. He can kind of just within the system, he can do whatever he pleases, um, which makes sense. Um, but throughout the year, there was just a lot of stuff that he wasn't quite doing well. He wasn't going aggressive into the end. He wasn't doing his breakouts quite as well. And so it really stagnated the the opportunities for Vancouver. Um, so I wasn't really sure what was happening at that point. All right. I, I can't say I know for sure either. Um, there is some conversation around the Avs building. Uh, given the role they might be targeting for Byram in the future. Was he working on his defense maybe in the first half of the season? Was he looking for, for some other part of his game to focus on perhaps? Uh, I think he's, he's a player that I found to be really interesting last year because I think when people were, were talking about him and his skill set, I think they were kind of putting him into the same realm as a bunch of other defensemen based on his draft pedigree. And so there's things that Byram does incredibly well, but there are things that it's not quite his forte. 
I mean, it's not like you're going to, he's going to start blasting one timers and like wrist shots power the way that Kale McCarr is going to. He's just really fantastic in transition, really fantastic in especially creating small space in the offensive zone. You know that he's going to about to do something when he starts to split his stride. And so if they pass it back to the point and he starts to move in aggressively, he starts to split his stride and it means he's going to start moving back and forth. And it's, he's basically looking for a shot. He's looking for an opportunity. He's looking for somewhere to pass the puck to create. And he's very, very good at that. Love to hear it. Never <laughs> have enough of that on your blue line, in my opinion. So his, his uh, ability to kind of move laterally where other defensemen can't uh, is, is something that really sets him apart. A lot of blue line walkers. Mm-hmm. It's going to fit in nicely in Colorado. Yep. It's something that they don't like it. Thinking about the way that Colorado is, they, he's definitely unique. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a question, AJ, or should I keep rolling? Have at it. All right. So uh, moving forward with Byram, one of the questions AJ and I have is how exactly his offense does project to the NHL level. Uh, look, he's drafted fourth overall. Obviously, some of that's going to translate, but mm-hmm. is he going to have the room, the opportunity to really push the play? Because we see him every night in the WHL. When he gets the puck on his stick, he's the best player on the ice, and, and often it's not that close. Can he do that against stricter competition? I think he can, but I think the way that his skill set uh, works is I don't know that he's going to grab opportunity away from guys that are already there. I mean, if Makar and Samuel Gerrard are still a part of the Avs moving forward, which seems to be the case, Makar's not going to, or sorry, um, Byram's not going to usurp those guys on a power play. Um, those guys are really made for that. And so what you're going to look for for, uh, for uh, Byram is wonderful transition play, see who he really, really uh, molds well with five on five, and then just get him as much opportunity. And I think that's where it's going to benefit is him as well. He's not going to be thrown into situations where he's over his head too fast because he can just kind of move up the depth chart as he goes. The The power play is a, a pretty contested topic when it comes to the Colorado <laughs> Avalanche. Uh, oh, a is lot it? Of, a lot of people unhappy with the way particularly the second power play unit <laughs> in run here. So there has been some thought to, to potentially playing a Bowen Byram on it, I I can't say for sure how it ends up, but either either with or ahead of Gerard. Yeah, he's uh well. The one thing that I think Byram's really good at is he's a great puck distributor, especially on that power play, moving it from side to side. Uh, his passes are very uh, crisp. They're smart. They're on the tape, and so if especially with Colorado, if your second power play has more shooters, more one timer guys, he's going to be fantastic at making sure that those guys have wonderful opportunities. Sam Gerard, similar play style then. Similar play style in that, except Byram just has, he has a bigger wingspan. And so there are things that he can do that uh, sure. maybe a smaller guy couldn't. Um, yeah, Definitely yeah. trust Byram to to penetrate and, and dish maybe a little bit more than I do Sam, but you'll have to wait and see at the NHL level at least. But I, yeah. I know AJ wanted to get into this conversation of one, how long until we see Byram at the NHL level? Is that as soon as next season? Uh, it could be. Um, 
once again, you kind of, it was so much of a tale of two kind of players in the season where you saw how dominant he could be, especially at the end of the year, how, when he wanted to really step up aggressively in the offensive zone, cycle the puck around, um, look for those opportunities to use his, his, um, like his agility to be able to open up new lanes and new space. He can really do that. And at the WHL level, if he wants to do that, he can do that however he wants. Um, the NHL level, what is Colorado looking for him if they bring him in? Um, Cause there's going to be some transition time. He's not a bad defender, but he's not, there are things that he can still learn too. So if you want to put him on a third pairing and shelter him and do that, then go ahead. If you want to start him off at the AHL level and just let him get in all situations, that's an option too. Usually I'm more in favor of that. Start them in a spot where they can succeed, get used to the pro game and then let them dictate how fast it takes. So this is where the frustration comes in um, because you can't go to the AHL yet. I know. And so it's like we're talking about another year in a league where he was already bored last year. Is 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 the benefit of it of him going back to the WHL for another year? Is it just that he gets another year older, another year stronger, bigger, more physically mature? Yes, uh, I think I think he's going to make a great case to start in the NHL. Sneakily, I kind of thought I wouldn't have been surprised if he was one of those names that started off the season going overseas for some weird reason. Um, I thought he was a guy that would seek out kind of different opportunities to be able to get a head start. Um, but he isn't one of those guys that have done that. There's been some surprises from the dub who have, like Ridley Gregg is over there right now. And so there's guys that have kind of taken opportunities. I'm not really too sure on the the way that Colorado would kind of handle that. But um, I think he probably starts off in the NHL. I don't know. But yeah, if he goes back to the dub, we don't even know what the dub's going to be like. So yeah. it's it's a jumbled mess. It does seem a little bit stuck right now for a lot of the kids that I think the OHL just announced their plan was to start the season in late November. But a lot of uncertainty and especially for kids in the middle 20 year olds that are, that are graduating out of the CHL leagues, not good enough to play in the NHL yet. They're going to have a hard time figuring out where to go. So not there's a, a lot problem. of, uh, no. And there's a lot of teams that um, like the, the guys that I've talked to, it's still kind of wait and see, like they're trying to get started by the start of December, but um, they're still waiting on some of the details of stuff. And I think it just, it's all a wait and see. There's been a ton of rumor, rumor about just playing within provincial or within, uh, you know, certain guidelines. And so if you're sending Bowen Byron back to the WHL, well, he's going to play against Prince George and against uh, Victoria and he's going to feast. So I don't know if that's the best. Uh, if he got to play against big, better competition and up against teams like Portland and that stuff, that's going to be good for him. But that would even be worse, I think. Yeah, definitely would be a hard sell to figure out exactly how junior teams can can play their entire leagues. It's gonna be gonna be hard for them to play Portland when you're not yeah, allowed to cross, yeah, the, cross border. the border. That's the Especially. thing. <laughs> so. A lot of uncertainty there with with where Byram ends up, but I think AJ and I agree with you that 
you expect to see kind of the nine game rule get used at least in the NHL. At least. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think it's probably good for him as well. Cause it just, um, well with Colorado too, I mean, there's a, how many defensemen right now don't have a contract? There's a wait and see on a few guys right now. Right. Um, uh, yeah, they've got Zadorov and yeah. Graves are the ones that don't have deals. Uh, they're both RFAs out of their like established top six. So and who then is, after that, so if he's sliding in, he's sliding into that bottom six role to be with. This is kind of the conversation. Like. <laughs> yeah, this is this is always the conversation that this plus the fact that Connor Timmons is clearly ready. Yeah, uh, after a year in the AHL, where it's like, okay, this is this is done. He's he's good to make the jump. This is where a lot of our offseason conversation centers. Is okay. Byram may be ready, but where do you find a spot for him? And right now there isn't one. Okay, I'm going to bring up something really interesting with you guys then too, because I speculated this on my Twitter and I got shut down pretty quick. But with the defenseman that's coming and with the makeup of the defense core right now, is there any chance that Colorado dangles Samuel Girard in some sort of trade to get anything else? No, not at all. Not, Not after all. that contract they committed yeah. him to. They well, signed that's seven-year deal. It's just going to kick in. There's no way that's they. They love him. Um, he's exactly the kind of dude that they want to build around. It's it's all about for them. It's all about building around Byron McCarr and Gerard. Those mm-hmm. three are like their core guys. And then you As... could consider Timmons like like core and a half, maybe like maybe right on the outside, but possibly on the inside if he proves good enough in the NHL. It's uh, it's just really in- – because it's really interesting to see the perspective. But then I kind of heard in your voices in the, ah, Gerard second power play, ah. And I was like, is there something? It's, it's more just that Gerard is a guy that, like, league-wide and, and the fact that he's small has yeah. has a reputation as an offensive guy. And after three years of watching him, our number one complaint about Sam Gerrard is that he doesn't produce enough offense um, because he stops at center ice or he mm-hmm. stops at the blue line. Like all of the creativity and the skating and all of that, it just seems to just disappear when he gets into the offensive zone. And he's like, all right, somebody else take the puck now and go do something cool with it. Like there's <laughs> not, it's there's, there's still, there's still a lot of, development left for G on the offensive on the offensive side of the game. Whereas right now his defensive game is a lot more polished and you wouldn't expect that from a guy who's five foot nine. Mm-hmm. I so. just it was it was a sense of Colorado kind of has you know kind of taking a look at the team and I kind of refreshed on the prospect system and the way like who's coming up and kind of how where they tend to lean. And it's there the world is their oyster. They can kind of go in a lot of different directions for however the next seven years go. And so if these are your core guys, if these aren't cap space guys come in, there's just so many positives that it's just like, well, what, what's going to be the give? Cause if they want to go, okay, let's add someone on a good contract and it has to give a good contract. And then people told me, well, if that's the case, Byron would probably be the guy to go and not Gerard. And I was like, Ooh, I don't. And so that's a whole bunch of maybes, but the reality is, is Colorado can, can do a lot of things. Yeah. And I think, and I think the number one thing that Colorado wants to do is they want to see what they have. 
yeah, yep, before they fair. start before they start chipping away at it and trying to make decisions. They're like, hey, we've used two top five picks on defensemen. We got we traded Duchesne away for Gerard. Um, we've got you know we've, we've got Connor Timmins as as the reward in 2017 mm-hmm. for picking at the top of the second. Like we're gonna see we're gonna see how these guys go before we start moving them around. And I think they owe it to themselves to do it, having not been able to develop defense for. Right. 20 years. There's three years left on, on Nathan McKinnon's contract. And at the end of that three years, if the Evs say, you know what, Gerard has taken a step back and Connor Timmons and Byron have stepped up, then maybe it's a conversation. Yeah. yeah. But okay. Definitely. Right now, hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we do need to take our first period break, so it's time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. You can pick up eight different kinds of Breck Brew on tap down at the DNVR bar, or of course, go to your local liquor store and purchase it there. You can use the Breck Beer Locator online to find whichever type of beer you prefer. They have a beer for everyone, whether it be the Avalanche Amber, the Agave Wheat, the Hop Peak IPA. You a beer fan, Joel? Any Any type of beer you like? I am. I was just going to say, you did that advertising very well. It was, uh, it was <laughs> I've had a little and clear and wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, actually, I was, um, my brother had his uh, bachelor party. We went down to Colorado, went down to Denver to watch nice. some baseball. And so one of my favorite things about it actually was every place we went, I got to try out some new different things. A lot of yeah. a lot of breweries here for sure. You can you can get your fill of that if you're looking. Not for- hard if you're trying to f- try different beers. It is not hard in Denver, especially near the stadium. Yeah. Oh my god. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, Cygnus pointing out my favorite kind of beer, the alcoholic kind, which you can get from Breckenridge Brewery. Brewery again, you can even get it delivered to your house if you want to use an app like Drizzly. So check them out today. We also have our gaming sponsor, WGT Golf, loved by more than 20 million players around the world. You can play on your PC or on your phone mobily, and you can get into the DNVR Clubhouse when you search for dnvrgolf.com and then DNVR3. We're on our third clubhouse, 250 members each. So jump in. We have tournaments every single weekend where all three of our clubhouses compete together on true-to-life courses like Beth Page, Black, St. Andrews, many others. If you haven't gotten in yet, you got stroke play, you got match play, you got my favorite closest to the hole because it's the only one that I'm any good at. Give it a try. WGT Golf. Download Come Play With Us today. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Joel having a little bit of a giggle there at my my ad reads by the looks of it. It's so good. <laughs> so good at it. You should have been here during the Manscaped oh, era. Oh, God. The Manscaped era. We we talked about balls a lot on our show. <laughs> mm. Okay. It was, it was fun. That's that's how you get them. That's how you get them here. Beer and balls. Yeah. <laughs> still have that newspaper around here somewhere. <laughs> so... Uh, Byron, the big fish for the Avs in the WHL, but they do have a handful of other prospects there as well. One of my personal favorites being Sasha Mutala playing for a dumpster fire of a hockey team in the Tri-Cities. <laughs> Give me something something to like about Sasha. Uh, so going into the draft uh, that year, I was, I was in much debate with a bunch of different people. Uh, Cam Robinson, who is our, our managing editor at Dauber, and uh, him and I would kind of go back and forth a bit, and he, he just said, who's somebody that you think is massively underrated? And my answer was Adam Beckman. 
I just thought he was in the in a lot of rankings. He was crazily underrated. Um, I had him in the second round, and most guys had him in the fifth. And then they kind of came around on him a lot more, but I still thought he was low. And his answer was Sasha Mutala. Uh, he had him in near the end of his second round for quite a long time. And so it forced me to kind of really go back and watch him. And the reality was is he needed to gain strength and size and all of those kind of things. But everything that he was doing, he was doing very well. Like his skating posture was good. His awareness is great. His shot is good. There, it was just like, this is a player that I think is going to improve in all of these areas. And if he does, he's going to be a very versatile player. And you can use him all over the ice and he's smart enough to be able to adapt. And I think that's my favorite thing about him is that when you, if you're somebody that has never seen him play and you just kind of go watch the highlights, you're just going to start to notice he gets points in a lot of different ways. Even with the team that he's on, even with he's not playing with any other guys who are at his caliber, and that's a testament to him. Yeah, it, I mean, is there any take to that? You kind of mentioned the same thing in Byram, where their plan was kind of just get the puck to Byram to go forward. <laughs> Does Mutala run into that a little bit as well in, in Tri Cities? Given if you look at that team's point disparity, it's like Mutala by a wide, wide margin for them. Um. No, I, I think that there's some guys that they're just, they're great players within the system. And when they get in a better system or they get in with better line mates, they're going to start to to shine a bit more. Another guy that had a really, like had a down year and you, you look at him and if somebody was just watching points, they go, ah, is Florida took Henry Rybinski later on in the draft as well. And he was on a WHL team that like he just, his line mates. Yeah. And, and so but it doesn't take away from what he does and it doesn't take away from his system. It doesn't take away from his strengths personally. And so Mutala is one of those guys that, you know, he's, you're going to like him for a reason when he comes to camp, when he comes to play, he's going to find chemistry with someone uh, pretty quickly usually. And it'll be like, wow, this, this kid's pretty good. Like I like him. I like the way he moves. I like the way he thinks. I like the way he's processing the game. Love that. I if you can get versatility out of a late round pick, you got to be feeling good as an NHL team. Yeah, and sometimes versatility means that you don't have any caliber skills that can carry you further. Uh, Calgary's kind of seen a little bit of that. One guy that we wish had he had great versatility that we wish panned out was Morgan Klimchuk. He was somebody that when you watch him in the AHL, you're just like he's doing everything right. Uh, he's like, he's affecting the game so positively. And then yet when he just couldn't can't, he hasn't quite made that next stride when he's gotten the opportunities, which he hasn't got a ton. And so Mutella could be one of those guys where there isn't really something that truly carries him, but he's still a fan favorite. However, he rises. It's just, can he find that thing that takes him to the top? And I think it's going to come from his strength. I think if he becomes stronger and he becomes uh, better, lower, uh, lower body strength and continues to build that, um, it's just going to be a great positive for him. All right. AJ, you're the Luca lover on this pod. Take it away. Yeah. I mean, the shine, shine came off Berzan a little bit as the year went on where it was like, he's already 20 and I wanted to, he's, he's a guy that I just want to see a little bit more from. Cause mm -hmm. I think, I think that he's, I think he could be good, but I feel like I just, I'll see it in two games and then there will be four games where I'm just kind of like, nah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's interesting. <laughs> um, 
I going into the draft as well, like once again for the draft last year, I watched him quite a bit. And there were some people that were really, really big Luca Burzan fans, and I was not one of them. Um, because I think one of the things that you could see from him this year is that he has a really powerful snap to his wrist shot. And so he gets himself in the middle of the ice. He has teammates to be able to really set him up. He's got, he can move around the ice really well. Um, but that's his bread and butter. His bread and butter is getting into positions and getting a snap wrist shot. And the reality is, is at the end, at the WHL level with his shot, he can really, really score and he can get around the net tip pucks, get in some garbage and stuff. But there's a lot of things he doesn't do as well in trying to get uh, offense. He doesn't really set himself up to to bring any sort of skating deception towards goaltenders. Um, so if he's in the middle of the ice, he doesn't he doesn't drag a puck, change an angle very well. Um, he he doesn't move laterally in the way that he skates to kind of set up opening up shot lanes for himself either. Um, so there's a lot where you just it's missed opportunity and. There's a few guys like that that I've watched in the WHL and I've never been high on. And Burzan was one that I kind of put in the the category with a few other those guys where I go, if he ta- if he if he does pan out, it's going to be a surprise to me. I kind of put him in the category with another player for the dub, Cole Fonstad. Cole Fonstad was another guy that everyone kind of thought was in the second round, third round talent. You can see a lot of things that he does, but as far as creating offense, there's there's a package that he the things that he can't do. And if he did some of those things, it would serve him very well moving forward. And I think Burzan's going to come to, he's going to have to add some things at the pro level. Yeah. I've never been a big fan of the little details in his game, but I like that. Unlike with Mutala, like I think the shot is something that can translate to pro hockey. And like, if you're going to have a skill that translates, it's not a bad one to go with. No, and there's there's some guys that it, it, that's just the way that they are. Like one guy who I would love to have way more versatility to his shot, who <laughs> has a fantastic shot, um, is there's a few other different guys in the dub. Um, uh, Dylan Cousins. Cousins has a fantastic shot for Buffalo, but he doesn't do any of those kind of things as well. And so I'm kind of curious as it's going to come, because I kind of liken him, when, especially when he's playing the middle of the ice, to guys like Mark Shifley. And Mark Shifley kind of moves the puck around really well, and he can kind of shoot from multiple different ways. And so players who play in the middle of the ice as much as a guy that Luke, uh, Luca does, especially on the power play, those things will serve him super well. Uh, and he just doesn't do that yet. Man, making the NHL is hard. You're good at everything, yeah. but not good enough at it. You're really good at dumb stuff, but not good enough at the other things. <laughs> I mean, this is what we talk about when we get into the guys that are drafted beyond the first round. Yep. I mean, even even when we talk about guys in the late first round, you're already cutting off skills. Yeah. You're like, yep. oh, well, this guy can't do this. He can't do that. He's got to develop this. He's got to develop that. Plus, you're always projecting, you know, uh, plus you're always projecting that these are teenagers you don't know how they're going to physically fill out and how that's going to impact their games, how that's going to change things, you know? So it's, it's, it's one of the fun parts of doing this uh, with prospects, but it's also like one of the frustrating parts is because you get a guy like Mutala who in the WHL does absolutely everything for that team. Like is there is, is all of the car. He's not just the engine. Like he's the car <laughs> and, then you're like, oh, well, what does he project pro-wise? And you're like, well, 
There may not be enough there. out of him or something. You're feeling pretty good. <laughs> it's just it's it's hard. Like you're just you're just trying to find the right the right combination. And I think there's some guys as well there that if they can find those separation tactics, some some those little skills that they can add that separates them from other players and is able to kind of create space for themselves, it's going to serve them really well. Another guy that I watched quite a bit for a few years was Nick Henry. He was in Regina, and and so I got to see him in his draft season, see him playing with a guy like Sam Steele, and you go like, I, I don't know. And then you put him with a guy like Jake LeCision, and you go, I don't know. But – he does have a great shot and he has speed. And so in transition, he's able to do some things that a guy like Luca Burzan, you're not going to see him do. And so those little things can serve a guy very well. Uh, I've just saw a big rise. Another guy that from around these parts had got a contract was Austin Wagner for LA and he has speed. And I watched him for years, get breakaways and not score. And it, and it was so frustrating. People were like, is he going to make the NHL? And I go, I can't see how. And he has, and now he's got a great contract because he had abilities that were able to kind of separate him from the pack. If you are faster than everyone, you can kill penalties. You can make life kind of gross for the other team. And so guys like Luca, they have to find those abilities. Yes, you can score. Yes, you have a great snap wrister at this level, but how are you going to score against the top level goaltender? And because they're going to see that stuff and they're going to see that stuff a mile away. You have to be able to drag pucks, change the angle, change your skating angle fire off one timers. And uh, so he's got some work to do, but he's a good prospect. He's a good kid. I mean, Nick Henry, a, a good example, a guy, both AJ and I liked quite a bit and a pretty disappointing year from him in the AHL, uh, just nine points in 42 games. It, the jump is hard, man. Some of that, yep. some of that is Henry and some of that, some is, of that is the Eagles not giving him opportunity 100%, yeah. but some of that is the incredibly frustrating way that they treat some of their guys. Yeah. It it's disappointing, but that's for another podcast. So we'll save that one. We do need to take our second period break with Strava Craft Coffee, the CBD infused coffee that has really changed lives. If you use code DNVR20 over on their website, you can get 20% off when you buy. And if you want to try before you buy, again, head on down to that DNVR bar. We have cold brew Strava sitting right there in the fridge for you getting ready get your coffee on get your cbd on it's been known to help many different aches and pains migraines anxiety ibs a bunch of other stuff as well if you haven't tried it yet and if you really like it you can sign up for their subscription service where you'll get 20 percent off every single time you buy so give strava craft coffee a try today Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook with AJ Rudo and our guest, Joel Henderson. Thank you again for coming on, Joel. All right. Time for the million-dollar question. Who did the Colorado Avalanche take at 24? (laughs) Uh, Who do you want them to take? (laughs) Uh, Realistically, yeah. Yeah. There's a literally a thing. Uh, that's I don't want to start like, yeah, I don't want to start happening. like throwing out names. If you guys have like a list yeah. of guys that you want, uh, um, just about about Byram that um, he's actually on the market to play in Sweden. There you go. The good call. Good call. Get him some playing time. However you can so, get it, man. Yeah. Anyway, oh, some sorry. Comments, back to the draft. Some yeah. in the chatter. <laughs> some some names already. Perot we got in there. We got Greg in there. I not in the first round, man. Yeah, I not Greg for sure. 
What uh, what are you guys seeing? What do you guys want to add to this team? Because one of the things I was talking about as well with like the makeup of the team earlier was that I think that Colorado has, you know, a high quality player coming at multiple positions. And so it's what do you want to add? Where do you see the team going? What are you going to need in three to four years yeah. to really make to win a championship or another championship, depending on where you guys are at that point? I, would I think love Zary, but I don't think he gets to 24. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I like Zary. Um, I really, for for I think for us, it's been the focus has been on Schneider and Goulet, uh all year because if when Byram graduates, when Timmons graduates, it's like Drew Hellison and then Danilo Zhiravalov, and that's it. Thin people after them. Well, and, I mean, Colorado is known for taking their big, strong defenseman in the second round for years. Has that worked out? No. Don't have a no, second this year either. Yeah. No, minor no, no, you don't. So it's it's just like it's so. every year, every year I've been kind of like, and which which big stay-at-home defenseman is Avalanche gonna take in the second round? It's not if, it's which one. Yeah. Yeah, the and, the Josh Anderson pick when it happened. My my theory has always been that they meant to take Joey Anderson, who went with the <laughs> next pick. And was actually not bad, but anytime, anytime you can overdraft a guy who just broke his back, you just have to do it, you know. <laughs> so, okay. So the the one comment that I saw is there any quick impact, low ceiling, super high floor at the end of the first? And those actually, when I kind of looked at stuff for you guys, there were a couple of players that jumped out to me that I said I think this kind of makes sense for the Avalanche moving forward, and it's the two Germans, uh, Lucas Reichel. And JJ Paterka. I thought those are two guys that I think, especially with the Avalanche, when I look at the way that they've drafted over the number of years, they really, really emphasize being able to play two ways, being able to be smart. And then if they can get some speed in there too, they like that as well, um, especially in those ranges. Like some of the guys that you guys have drafted over the years, I think um, in the last while, it's just that's kind of where they fit. The Mutalas, the guys that it's like, if this guy develops, he's going to be a great two-way player. And when it misses, it misses hard. Um, but when it hits, like when you can grab those kind of players and really develop them, it's probably why they really liked Tyson Yost so well when they dra- drafted him. It was just like, this is a guy who's going to be a core player for us, we hope, for years and years and years based on his style of play. And so I think those are two guys that I think they look pretty pretty hard at. Yeah, those are two guys we've honed in on, um, and have kind of been. For me, it's it's about Reichel. I don't. I'm not a big, I'm not a big Paterka fan, but of course no. But he, but he adds some of that stuff as well, plus the speed, and so he's going to be able to be, play multiple different roles as well. I think. Um, what there's a friend of mine who's a massive, massive, massive Colorado fan, and he messages me every year after the draft, and he just says, "How how did we do?" And the one year it was like Miko Ranton and he was like, was that good? And I was like, that's, that's really good. And, and then he messaged me and, and he was like, I'm glad to have you as a friend. And then he's like, Martin Kaut, was that good? And I was like, I didn't, I didn't like that pick. And he was like, what do you know? And so he's kind of, he's in those ballparks. <laughs> and I think what you're, lo- I think what you're looking for as well with Colorado is, is Martin Kaut esque and i think those two players are they're big strong they're great two ways they're smart they're versatile uh they can play multiple roles moving forward and i think if colorado is gonna get to the point where cap is whatever if you can add guys like that to your team that's 
those are going to be guys that help you to win a championship. Yeah, definitely with the Euros, especially we've seen the Evs did it with Rant and the Evs did it with Cow, where you can bring those guys and drop them right in the AHL and and get them to the North American game pretty quickly. And and with Cout, um, with with the little that we saw last year, it looks like it's working again with him, yep. and mm-hmm. it's not just, and it's not just oh hey, Miko Ranton and just happened to be special. And Cout still got some ways to go, but a lot of the things that he brings, the qualities that he brings, are once again, if it pans out the way that you hope, it's fantastic, and you love having a player like that that can go up and down the lineup. Yeah. Having guys um, like that on the LCs for a, a contending team feels pretty good. Yeah. As far as the dub, it's a weird range in there um, because, yeah, you got the two defensemen and stuff, but you never know where they're going to go or what's yeah, going to happen gonna with gone. that. Yeah, we're, I think, I think they're going to be gone. Fall, but not going to happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, there might be, like, they might be. Um, I, I just, I think they'll probably go ahead of that. Um, whether people agree with that or not, I think they'll probably go ahead of that. And so there's some other defensemen that are kind of in those ranges, but you're taking a lot more risk. And I think that if there's anything Colorado's going to try to do is not get, not draft a player with high offensive potential that their question marks are their defense. I think yeah. they're going to want someone who is able to kind of be a more well-rounded game. Um so there's some other guys as well. One of the guys brought up Ridley Gregg. I think Ridley Gregg, if he starts to really develop, you've got a guy that can play center or wing. His strengths are his foot speed north-south. He's going to be able to kill penalties. He's going to be able to be physical. Um, there's a lot of stuff that that makes sense for uh, a team like Colorado as well if they want to go that route. Instead of getting a guy like Zary, who would be a power play guy, you hope, you know, kind of moving forward. And... Yeah, and then there's there's one there's a couple of names I want to throw out. I looked at our future considerations ranking, and one guy that is right on twenty four is uh, Tyson Forrester, and I think if they want to swing a little bigger, he's a fun guy to kind of take a chance on, and that I think that they could. And if you want to swing even deeper, I'm so excited to say this. Uh, if I swing like crazy deeper, if I'm right about this, it's gonna be crazy. Um, Ty Smolanic. I think Ty Smolanek would be a really interesting pick in that first round. If you look at Bob McKenzie's rankings, he is in the first round, I believe. He's a guy that struggled with mono, but he's a guy that does a lot really well and had an underwhelming year. I've watched him and I've just personally, I've thought that he needs to be higher than most people have him on their ranks. When you find out that he's kind of struggled with this kind of things, I think he's a player that people are, there's going to be teams that see him way higher than I think a lot of the lists are. And so I think that would be a fun one. I think that to, for Colorado to target and it makes a lot of sense to me too. All right. Yes, Smolenic is a guy that I've gone <laughs> kind of back and forth on where I'm, I, there's, there's always something about a guy when people have to make like, and it's 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 a little unfair. Like this is gonna sound worse than I intended, but like when you have to make excuses for a guy, and you're uh-huh. like, you know, like oh he struggled with this and he struggled with that, and it's like yeah, those things happened, and like that's how it's hard to do, and it's unfair that he has to do that and other guys don't. But I'm always really, I remember I remember Timothy Liljegren's draft year and the way that people just like. 
made bent over backwards to for him, yeah. Twist themselves but, into the into the mental pretzels in order to to excuse the year that he had. Mm-hmm. And like and it was just like and some of it some of it you're like, okay, like this is valid, but where do you draw the line here, right? Like where's where what's real and what's not? And it just makes me uncomfortable with guys like that. Like I would rather I would rather just steer clear of taking the chance entirely and being like, hey, I'll let somebody else potentially reap that reward. I'm going to go with Uh somebody that I've scouted. I don't have those question marks with somebody I'm way more comfortable with their entire profile. My like the stuff, the work that I do, um, I'm not going to release like my own personal rankings for everything. I release rankings for the WHL and then just kind of give thoughts otherwise when I watch players. And Mm -hmm. Smolanic, if I were to put together a rank, I would probably see him in that like 30 to 40 range on my board Um, because he does a lot of things well. And yes, you don't want to make excuses for a player, but when the excuses are mono and injuries, yeah. Then you can start to like you can start to really round out and be like, well, let's look at the numbers. Let's get deeper analysis on this. Uh, he's a guy that not many people talk about, um, and I've I put up on my Twitter as well, being like, why? Why is this a guy that no one really wants to discuss? And everyone's just kind of like, well, I don't know. Like, there's that risk that you talked about, and so it's hard to just go all in on a guy and go, I think Ty Smolnik's going to be amazing when. You know, there's some amateur stuff. There's some injury stuff that you don't quite know the details on. Um, so if it's not so bad, if it actually did affect his game in certain ways, because when I've watched him play, we talk about a versatility. We talk about skating. We talk about being able to adjust to plays. Someone who's smart, who sees a vision. He's a guy that I think is really underrated. So whether it's Colorado or not, I wouldn't be surprised for him to go in the first round. Mono is also one of those things where it has such a drastically different impact person to person. Mm-hmm. Where it's like you've talked to you talk to some people who have had mono and it's like, oh, it it took me three months to get over that. You know, I was totally wiped out. And even when I even when I was better, I it took me a while to get back to normal, you know, and it's just and then there are other people who had it and they're like, it sucked. I got over it. And you're like, OK. There, there was a prospect a couple of years ago. Uh, maybe you guys are remember. Maybe you guys can remember. Maybe I don't. Maybe someone in the chat. There was somebody else who had mono, and they kind of went lower than people thought. And then when it came around to it, it was like, oh, um, uh, Ottawa centerman, um, Ottawa Senators. Uh, he's just signed a new deal for like four point five. Why am I blanking on his name? Colin White. The chat. Colin White. Uh, Colin White in his draft year, he had mono and there was a lot of people that really soured on him. And I think, and then he came back full healthy the next year and it was like, Ooh, he could. And, <laughs> and uh, I, I think maybe that could be something there with that too. I like it. I like the sleeper picks. Always, always <laughs> interesting to see a couple of those. As we do wind down the show, that's kind of where I wanted to go. Give me a give me a late round steal or a mid round steal anyway from the dub this year. And it can't be Tristan Robbins. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Uh, he's not going to go late round. If he goes late round, I'll eat my socks. Um, he well he. I'm going to talk about him for a second. He, uh, <laughs> um, so I started to watch him and stuff when people were coming out with their pre-draft, whatever, at the start of the year. I had watched him for Saskatoon. He was playing fourth line center, sometimes third line. And his the speed of his hands was so incredible. The way that he processed the game, he's playing like 10 minutes a night. And I was like, I'm keeping my eye on this kid. This kid's pretty incredible. Let's see where his, where, see how fast he can grow. 
And then I talked to some scouts at the start of the year and kind of mentioned his name and they're like, ah, he doesn't have great wingspan. And I was like, oh, okay. And then uh, he got like whatever it was. He had like 53 points in his last 33 games carrying that Saskatoon team. And people are like, wait, is he good? And I was like, yeah, he's very good. Uh, so, yeah, he, he's a guy. I know that Colorado doesn't have a second-round pick, but he's a guy, however you get him to his organization. I'm just going to be watching the draft to see who gets Tristan Robbins and go, well, enjoy. Because uh, you're going to get him way later than than you should. Um, but as far as late round sleepers, one kid that I've kind of watched all year as a very interesting prospect is a kid that got, he did get an invite to, um, USA, um, world juniors is Lucas Fikowski. Lucas Fikowski is not a name that a lot of people talk about. I watched him at the start of the year in Vancouver. I watched him when he came to Moose Jaw to Regina and he was skating circles around people. He was jumping on loose pucks. He was just absolutely controlling the play. And then he demanded a trade, went to Medicine Hat, and uh, and he started to play with those guys there. He didn't really get a lot of great power play time. He was used as his own entry guy in the second power play. He's got a ton of room to grow. The reality about him is that his skating is just, his acceleration is off the charts. And so if you're looking for a guy to invest in where you go, here's an attribute that translates, it's the skating of Lucas Swakovsky. Um I don't know. There was a lot of people that were even saying like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even draft him based on different other things. And then he got an invite to USA and it was like, there's people that really, really, really like what this kid can bring. And then you just have to trust your development programs. And so if you can get Lucas Fakovsky in the sixth or seventh round, um, have fun because it, it could be something that turns into something really, really nice. I mean, I'm fine with another five, nine guy. <laughs> <laughs> It really he doesn't does, play. I, he does not play five nine. It really doesn't. Um, it does not bother me the way that it bothers a lot of people, especially when you're talking about the last couple of rounds, and it's just like screw it. Like Why not? his the people that he watches when you ask him. I interviewed him um, uh, for future considerations, and he's just like, "Oh yeah, I love Brandon Gallagher," and and it's like, "You where do you want to be?" He's like, "I want to be in front of the net, digging for pucks." He goes, "I can beat any defenseman to a puck," like. And it's like, you're not wrong. So it's like, usually with your skill set, you want to be on the wing, keeping your distance, all that kind of stuff. And he's like, nope, I can separate myself from any defenseman, grab that loose puck to make sure that we keep possession. And I'm going to tip pucks and I'm going to grab rebounds and I'm going to get in and, and uh, be that pest in front of the net. And it's like, that's fun. <laughs> any any guy willing to go to the dirty areas that often, especially at that size, you got you to gotta root for him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Especially when he can skate and handle the puck like he can. I love it. I love it. All right. AJ, any any final draft questions out of the WHL for you? I think I'm good. All right. Joel, anything you want to plug, shout out, go for it. Uh, no, we're just, uh, like you said, at the off the hop. Uh, I work for Future Considerations, helping us draft our, our rankings from there. Focus really closely on the dub. And then I'm also with Dauber Prospects, been there for quite a long time. I did some features on Tristan Robbins and Lucas Fakovsky, as we talked about. And uh, and I've put out some rankings over the years. I uh, I thought it was fantastic for you guys to get Sasha Mutala. He's one of those players that, um, even though I had him later on in my rankings, he's a guy that you just love to add to your prospect pool because if he turns out, he's, he's wonderful. So congrats to Colorado. I also, to much chagrin, said that Colorado is one of those teams that has a chance to win three championships in the next seven years. And uh, I hope it's not so, but uh, you guys are set up really well. 
Yeah, Colorado feeling pretty good for the most part right now. Joel, thank you for coming on the show. We're going to get out of here for the day. Thank you, everyone, for listening, watching, however you consume the pod. A lot more draft coverage coming your way over the next two and a half weeks here as as we full blitz up to the draft. So keep it locked and loaded here for, for all that type of news. We are out of here for the day and talk to you guys tomorrow.